I was driving home early Sunday morning through Bakersfield, listening to gospel music on the colored radio station. And the <laughs> Southern Rock Podcast, a southern storm of bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast. With me always is Jason. What's going on? Hey, man, I am doing great. I think I'm back to 100% now pretty much for my COVID, and I'm much happier about it. How are you? Good, good. So we got to do gig reviews, and I'll let you go first, your latest show. Oh, man. Oh, man, Brian. I tell you what. I say this seriously. What I just saw this past Saturday in Columbus is one of the best shows I've seen in quite quite a while. I can believe that. Um, it was it was the Sonic Slam tour, which is Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, and Tom Kiefer of Cinderella. And all three bands sounded really, really good, like surprisingly good. And I, I would have swore Phil Lewis um, from L.A. Guns. It was 1989 all over again with the way he sounded. Yeah, and I saw those clips that you sent me, and they sound fantastic, too. And uh, um, I'm, you know, what was it like? And I want to ask specifically about uh, with Tom Kiefer, his voice and and the whole band and Cinderella's yeah, no, music. You know, Tom has had those issues. He had like a paralyzed nerve in his throat and he's had a lot of, you know, he had to basically learn how to sing and, and talk again. And mm -hmm. He's older now, too. Right. A little, you know, you get a little bit of that. But overall, in all, he sounded really good. He could still do that kind of I don't even know how to explain when he hits that level mm -hmm. in Cinderella, but he could still do a lot of that. His voice was strong. Um, the musicianship with him playing guitar and piano and Tony Higby, his other guitar player, mm -hmm. was great. He sounded really, really, really good. But you could tell he still had, you know, he still was. He wasn't he wasn't 19. 90 long cold winter tom keeper but right you know nobody expects that but he sounded mm -hmm. really good he was the one i was most unsure what was going to sound like but sounded great knocked it out of the ballpark like he was phenomenal his band was phenomenal and so faster pussycat sounded good too you said Dude, they did man they did <laughs> i know the lineup has changed a lot i think it's the original drummer and singer for sure it might be the original bass player but i think the guitar players have changed uh, Sam Bam Colton, a young gun on guitar, was playing. He was out of control in a good way. Just, you know, each band got an hour. Well, L.A. Guns and Faster Pussycat each got an hour. Kiefer got an hour and a half. And, like, how how nice for those guys to expand their, their songs. Now, Faster Pussycat, 
I probably knew 75% of the stuff that they played. A couple songs, I don't know if they're newer, I didn't know, but they sounded great. Uh, a lot of energy on stage. The guitar players were all over the place, trading solos and having fun. And uh, But I will say the band that impressed me the most out of everybody, now granted, I'm a huge Cinderella fan and everything, but L.A. Guns. L.A. Guns was ridiculous. Like I smiled and chuckled just a couple of times of how good they sounded. Tracy Guns is an absolute master guitar player. Like, you know, I've listened to other music and you know he's good, but seeing and hearing him play live, he is probably one of the better guitar players of that generation, to be honest with you, after watching him play live. And our buddy Ace complimented him extremely well at the same time too. But I was most impressed with LA Guns. Just that whole band was so sharp and Phil Lewis's voice, dude. I mean, it it's like he hasn't aged. Yeah, and I, I that's what I I would think too that their show probably would have been the most interesting out of the three, and the other two I'm sure were great too. But just like from that stuff you you sent me, it seemed like uh, uh, Tracy and Ace like play really well off each other, and they oh, just they sound did. great just from those little clips. And, I can't imagine what it's like live. And and a couple songs in, everybody left the stage except for Tracy, and he took out a bow and started bowing his Les Paul like Jimmy Page, but he did was doing like Iron Man on a couple songs. And then it, it led right into, um, um, oh, which song did it lead into? Now I'm, I'm blanking on it. Maybe Over the Edge, I think, it led into. But it was really cool. So great showmanship, musicianship, the whole thing. If LA Guns goes out on a, a headlining tour right now, I'm on it. And I would tell anybody listening to go watch it. It was, I mean, it was just, it was really freaking good. And I'm telling you, I knew Tracy Guns was a good guitarist, but I have, way more respect and stuff and reverence for him now after seeing him play live just just incredible dude like i can't talk talk enough about it and what was cool about this versus kind of the tour that they're doing right now so there's a um, a town in columbus called pickerington and they do this three-day event it's kind of like a fair and they call it picktown palooza and they have three nights of bands like i know Stephen Piercy from rat and winger and um um sister uh, not sister christian um night ranger the night ranger thank you you know i've played shows and in previous years they've had docking and but there was probably four thousand plus people it was five dollars to get in because again the city picks this thing up and pays and there's like uh ferris wheels and rides and food mm -hmm. vendors and like it was like they played to a lot of people and most of these dates are clubs and theaters um I mean, I think those guys were just jazzed by seeing so many people. It was full, and and it, and they announced it was like a record crowd there that night too. And I I fully believe it. It was, a, it was just a great three man lineup. You know, and I read the the if I have this correct, did Matt just did another interview with Tracy, right? Yeah, he did. Yep. Right. Yeah, I read that. Tom, he, yeah. he he talked about being on the bill with with Tom. That that just you know it, you know what makes the audience even bigger. Well, you know, Cinderella had just a bunch of hits. They had three, those th first three albums. And of course, we know Long Cold Winter just went to the stratosphere with, because, you know, singles with Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone and Gypsy Road. And, you know, people, I, people love the shit out of Cinderella. And I do for sure. But man, that was just a, that was a hell of a bill. And being a casual Pastor Pussycat fan, they surprised me too in a good way. I was mm -hmm. just, <laughs> Man, it was a lot of fun. It was loud. 
there was showmanship on the guitars and with the lead singers and crowd please it was everything a rock show should be it was just it was great man i just i'm you know it's three or four days later and i'm still thinking about it and like have a smile on my face obviously because i'm <laughs> i'm just talking continuously mm -hmm. but it was just really really good and i was just so not surprised, but just pleased at how, how good just everything really was and how nice the festival and venue and access. Well, everything was great. The, the bands were great. The, the place they had it was great. The atmosphere was great. It was just, it was just what rock and roll should be. Mm -hmm. So my show I got <laughs> to see last Tuesday uh, was Tesla. Yes. Uh, Tesla. Vixen opened, and you know what? They were good. They were fun. And there's only one original member, the drummer, Roxy Petrucci. I know one of our last intros, we were trying to figure out who's still in the band. So everybody yeah. is pretty much out, except for Yeah, you got to read the wiki, and uh, I think it was Janet Gardner that passed away. One of them passed away. But, uh, um, yeah, no, they were fun. They were cool. You know, I enjoyed them. So Tesla, of course, the last couple times I saw them, they opened for Def Leppard and Poison. So I hadn't seen them do their own show since like 2010 or 2011. And they were fantastic. I mean, talk about, you know, like, you know, singers that can still bring it. You know, you just mentioned Phil Lewis. I mean, so Jeff Keith is up there too. And I put him up there, you know, with, uh, you know, in, in that kind of genre, the, you know, that age, those guys, you know, and Steve Whiteman from Kicks is another one, you know, just still bringing it still, you know. And they play. And he's live. got a style too. That's like keeper. Like once he gets to that range or whatever, that rasp, not, yeah, he's sound, yeah, yeah. And uh, those guys were <laughs> freaking loud, you know. But uh, yeah, they just they just freaking killed it, just destroyed. Well, Dave Rude and Frank Han, and again, we you know, and you'll hear in this interview with our guest, we talk a little about Tommy Skio. He, his name comes up. Is that Skio Skio? I never know Skio. how to pronounce this last name. Tommy yeah. Skio. But Dave Rude and Frank have really over the years, because they played a lot of years together now, been able to really gel and like play off each other. And that, you know, speaking about musicianship and showmanship, those guys bring it too, man. And I love, you know, I'm a big Frank Cannon fan. Um, and, you know, their drummer, their original drummer, Troy Lucchetta, he's either, I don't think he's fully retired, but he's taking a break from the road. And their drummer right. is Stevie Brown, who's the younger brother of Mick Brown that used to play drums right. at Dockin. So, yep. oh, he was incredible, you know, and I think that, you know, I think he's probably a little bit younger than those guys to so bring in that youthful energy. And I know Dave Rude's a little younger. So got Brian Weed on bass. Yeah, Brian and Jeff and uh, and uh, Frank. So, yeah, they were just I, I love Tesla. If they come incredible. close to me, I'm going to see them. You know, I saw them five years ago. They were great. You, you and I are big Tesla fans. A very underrated band. I think very under, underappreciated band from that era. And they can still bring it and have outlived a lot of their counterparts. And let's get L.A. Guns and Tesla together on a tour. Yeah, man. You know, uh, and I remember talking to Charlie Starr and him mentioning, you know, what he had said in another interview that, you know, a couple of bands from that time that he still felt like super legitimate is Cinderella. Of course, now is Tom. Yeah. And uh, Tesla, you know, but just you met L.A. Guns. Like, let's get a... Tom Kiefer, you know, or Tesla, Tom Kiefer, LA Guns, um, Junkyard and Kicks. You and know? I wouldn't see <laughs> any of those bands headline too. Like yeah. if Tom Kiefer goes out, I see him even without LA Guns and Faster Pussycat. I'll go to LA Guns. I would see a club show with Faster Pussycat, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, just 
man, it was it was just like I said, it was a lot of fun. Musically, they were on top of their game, and it was just I mean, it was five dollars a ticket. I mean, come on, that tour when they're playing clubs now is thirty bucks plus ticket plus fees. Five bucks, amazing. We always talk about how we're not promoters, but we play play promoters on the internet. So I would have that as you see, like a junkyard would open, then then kicks play LA Guns, Tom, and then Tesla would headline. So you go to that, that show. That would be like an all day event. That would be amazing. Right, right, amazing. My wife, by the way, who went with me, she knows Cinderella stuff, and she knew some LA Guns stuff, and not a lot of Faster Pussycat, but. She even had a good time and liked it too. No issues. Yeah, there's a bonus. Yeah, my my wife went with me to Tesla too. So she did uh, the last time when we they opened for Def or for Poison. So, but we're talking about like the heavier side of blues rock, and so that kind of is a good uh, segue into our guests. So I would love to say, Brian, we planned our concerts around the guests that we have. It fits in the same thing, but we really didn't. Yeah, right, right. And that's the karma we have. <laughs> or that's the karma our guest has. I just, I think it's, everything lines up is meant to be. It is the karma of the podcast. So, so our guest, um, you want me to go? Want me to go introduce ahead. him? All right. Uh, Ashton Blake, who does the lead singer vocals for a band out of Kentucky. Imagine that, another Kentucky band, Native Sons, who are... <laughs> Definitely on the heavier rock side, but still have that southern rock and blues influence, right, Brian? And listen, um, these guys kind of fell into our lap a little bit. We had somebody reach out to us on um, Twitter and recommended them, and I am so glad we got this band on because I am digging what they're putting out. Um, they got a couple new tracks out, building up to a, a new record, but Red Leather Woman is out right now. You can check out their video, listen to the song, and then a song called Drama, that song and that video have come out and, you know, ahead of this record that's coming out sometime later this year. Just because it's happening at the moment, we got to see Ashton's dog. <laughs> if you guys, can't, you guys can't see this, but I'm like giving the sign to Jason to keep talking at a mute because she's playing with a squeaky and <laughs> and everybody who listens to this podcast knows that I can just keep talking if I need to do it. It's a it's a hidden talent of mine. So, uh, so what, do you, you, what do you think of Ashton and those guys, Brian? Oh, incredible! Um, you know, listening to their stuff for a day, I thought, man, he's really heavy. This is really a super outside the ballpark kind of episode. But but anyway. Um, you know, him being such a huge fan of all such a wide range of music and being a fan of like Tom Petty and being a fan of Skinner and being a fan of Aerosmith and, and all and being a fan of the Stones, you know, it's like he's right. He's right in our ballpark, you know, heavier sound. But, you know, and he just knows so many of the same people. And you guys will find out more about that. So. As we say, kick back and relax and uh, enjoy our conversation. You want a squeaky toy, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> listen to my dog playing with her squeaky and then listen to our conversation with Ashton Blake uh, from Native Sons.
We're here at the guest segment of the podcast. You guys know I always throw over to Jason to tell you guys, the listeners, who we have with us today. Thanks, Brian. Always my pleasure to introduce the guest. We might, we're going to have to change this name of this podcast, Brian. It's going to be have the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Kentucky podcast because we have yet another great Kentucky band on here. We actually have Ashton Blake, who's a lead singer of Native Sons out of Louisville, Kentucky. How you doing, Ashton? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. How's life in Louisville? Uh, it's, uh, you know, the weather's been nice here recently. While, while I was in L.A., it was pretty rainy. Uh, you know, but it's pretty sunny. Wait a minute, rainy in LA? Is that possible? No, it was raining here while I was in LA. You oh, the, God. okay. Like, I thought you said it was raining in LA. The, I'm like, what? I escaped the bad weather while I was there. So, so what were you uh, doing in LA? Uh, we were playing the Whiskey A Go Go. Okay, nice. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. July 16th. Cool. So, we're recording this podcast July 19th. You guys are pretty much fresh off that, that show. Yeah, it was, uh, it was Saturday, so I think it's Tuesday now. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> days are running together <laughs> sometimes. So how was the show? How was everything out there? Oh, it was great, man. It was packed. Uh, you know, Saturday night at the Whiskey, uh, we were very well received. Uh, you know, I was surprised we were a new band and in a in a strange town and that really nobody had heard of us. Uh, I mean, some people had heard of us. Uh, I think we had... Uh, 40 people, which was uh, just ourselves. Of course, there was more more than 40 people in the crowd, um, but it, it was wall to wall, man. Like it was it was amazing. You know, I would say that uh, being on that stage, being being able to stand in the same place Jim Morrison and and the other guys from Guns and Roses and Def Leppard stood, it was it was uh, it was really cool. You know, uh, yeah. legendary stage. It is, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Def Leppard just did a gig, what, a month ago for their new album? Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, I think they were, I think it was three weeks ago or something like that. Yeah. That they did a show, yeah, so, fresh right off the stage. What kind of, I mean, what kind of vibe, I mean, again, you're right, real history with Whiskey A Go-Go, what kind of vibe do you get from a place like that? You know, whenever you, whenever I st stepped foot in it, it was it was kind of awe-inspiring uh, in, a, in a way, you know, there's, there's a lot of memorabilia on the wall and you, there's a lot of 80s hair metal, but I feel like it's not just that, it's, it's a lot more, um, you know, there's, it's kind of a smaller venue, you know, a lot of people mm -hmm. remember it being bigger than it was, uh, but it's always been a small venue, and it, it, but it's, it's better that way, I think it is, a, I think that it has a perfect layout, uh, you know, there's a bar down, there's two bars downstairs, a bar upstairs, uh, you know, the green room is, is a lot bigger than you think it would be. There's actually, I think it used to be apartments upstairs. Uh, they kind of converted into a green room area, uh, which in, in our green room, they had, uh, we shared with uh, our friends, Vela Lavella, uh, and they had like these VHS tapes from the 80s. So we ended up <laughs> uh, listening to or watching Hard and Heavy, uh, volume one and two, so. So it's, it's really cool, man. I, I would say if anybody is wanting to go see some great rock and roll and still feel like, you know, I, I guess rock and roll isn't dead, but it's, you know, I'd say that's like the grand old Opry for rock and roll music. The whiskey so ago. Were you part of a, a, another band's bill or, or were there other bands playing that night or what? We, uh, we were, it's an interesting story there, I guess. Uh, we played a, a thing called Monsters on the Mountain last year, 
So yeah. we had we made some friends. Uh, they're a band called Bella La Bella. You know, they they have a Monte Carlo. They usually play shows on. Uh, you know, going to kind of plug them here for a minute. They I'm not sure if you remember uh, back when COVID started happening, they went to these drive throughs and were like playing on top of this Monte Carlo. So we ended up meeting those guys and they asked us to come out and play with them at the whiskey. So it was it was really cool to you know, have that experience with some friends. They did an amazing show. And so you say Monsters on the Mountain, and I know this year, like, there's another Monsters on the Mountain. I think it's in, like, um, it's in Tennessee at, like, uh, yeah. Gatlinburg area, right? Yep. And, like, I think this year, Brian, we have, like, Tor Tor playing, who, of course, we've had a couple of those mm -hmm. guys on this show. Um, extreme. Like, it's actually a pretty big, pretty big festival. Huge names a couple nights. Yeah, it's put on by the the Monsters of Rock Cruise guys, Larry Morand and April Lee and all those guys. Uh, you know, Kicks plays it every year. Night Rangers back on. I think Firehouse is, but they do have a lot of new uh, new bands. Um, you know, I, I would say last year it was us and Bella Lavella were pretty much the the smallest bands on the on the bill. Everyone else was like Vince Neil or Night Ranger or you know Rhino Head. So it was, it was a it, that in itself was a cool experience as well. Oh, oh, for sure. So, no, that's interesting. Some of these venues and festivals you're playing with some of these artists, you guys, you guys fit in that genre of hard rock music with a little metal edge. But you do, I think, maybe being from Kentucky, have that southern rock and blues rock inspired flavor to your music. I guess how would you describe Native Sons? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I just kind of, I guess it, it just comes from, you know, we all come from different musical backgrounds, um, I guess, as far, but we're all cut from the same, you know, rock of rock and roll. Um, yeah. I, I'm not really sure. You know, a lot of people say we fit into the 80s hair metal thing. I don't think we do. Uh, you know, like you said, there's, I think that there's, you know, hints of blues rock. I feel like there's hints of Southern rock. Some people are like, y'all are, you know, y'all are really much like Shine Down. I'm like, I don't, I don't see that, but you know, it's all, all compliments and you know, all great artists. Uh, so I, I don't really know how to classify, uh, you know, Native Sons and musically. I guess you know, it's hard rock to me. So how about the Kentucky area in general? Are you know, like I said, we've had you know, with so many people on, we've had uh, Greg and Richard from the Headhunters on. We've had Chris from Blackstone Cherry. We've had Boone Frogger from Otis. We've had, uh, uh, you know, people from Mojo Thunder and Bedford and stuff. Uh, were you listening to any of that stuff, the Headhunters or Blackstone Cherry or anything at all, like growing um, up or? You know, uh, not really. Okay. Um, I didn't, you know, for me, it was, uh, I guess I, I lived way back in the woods, man. Like <laughs> I didn't live in the city. Uh, you know, all I had, to you know musically i guess was my stepdad's record collection so i would i would sit there with the needle and, and learn you know beatles songs and rolling right stone on. songs tom petty songs and leonard skinner songs cool uh so that's you know as far as uh you know artists from louisville uh i i haven't really now i do but growing up i didn't really listen to uh much because i didn't have access to mm -hmm. a lot of music so, so Brian Ashton just said something very, uh, very important here. 
So it's not Louisville, it's Louisville. You got to get that right. I know you're from North Dakota. Louisville. You cannot go and say Louisville. It's Louisville. Uh, I think we have a sign in Kentucky that says Louisville, Louisville, or Louisville. It's all the same here. <laughs> we, no, but, but going back to your kind of music, music, musical stylings, Ash, and I think like it, it's good you guys kind of fit with multiple genres because, hey, you can go play a show at the Whiskey. You can do a Monsters on the Mountain. You could you could play a show with Skinner, and like I don't think anybody's going to complain about hearing you. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, uh, I, I feel like we have elements from all eras. You know, sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties, and today. So uh, if we can, let's uh, you know, do a deep dive, get into the history history of Native Sons. Okay, uh, I guess. Uh, what would you like to know? I mean. Oh, you were talking earlier about Columbus. All right. Um, well, you know, Native Sun started out as a band called New Machine. Uh, and I flew down to Florida with some buddies uh, to record our first album, uh, which would later become Natives Are Restless. Uh, you know, we recorded it end of 2018, beginning of 2019. As you guys know, by the end of uh, by the end of 2019 pandemic hit you know in full swing it was it was rearing its head so a lot of the guys were like well you know country's starting to shut down just just take the songs and see as far as you can go with it and my only goal was to put out the music and because you know i had been in several bands with people as a hired gun and you know writing and recording their music i wanted and this was something that i felt like i put a lot of my stamp on so I wanted to just see it released, get it on Spotify and just be like, hey, I got it on Spotify, you know, but then like we released the album. We ended up having to do two uh, local um, like CD release parties. We sold out both of them in our hometown. And then people started requesting us to come to their states. We ended up going to Ohio, Michigan, uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, Nebraska, and all along the way. I had to change lineups a lot because, you know, either, you know, someone wanted to go to college, someone didn't really want to do music. And it's like, so it's like, it was finding our feet music, you know, musician wise, because we had the sound, I feel like, and we had the, the, the music, but now with this new lineup that's going on the third lineup, I feel like it's a totally different, you know, monster in itself because like jt's the guitar player now and me and him write all the songs relatively we we demo them to the band and they write their parts so we're not writing their parts for them but you know with with uh drama and red leather woman they're different than the natives are restless um <clears throat> which you can you can find out there um but it's just like you know rock and roll's not for everybody man it's it's getting undersold you know it's it's cheap motels sometimes and sometimes it's you know really great pay and you know you're eating caviar but the next day it's <laughs> it's not like that you know so it's it's finding those people that could you know go out on the road for weeks at a time or even weekends at a time because uh, that was the the problem with the first lineup is you know they only wanted to do one show one month you know that was it i I'm more of a road dog. I want to go out and tour as much as possible. If I could stay out for 365 days, I would. Um, so 
you know, I found JT, uh, actually needed someone to fill in and he just was like, Hey man, can I join the band? And then we started writing songs and I feel like the rest is, is kind of history. Uh, you know, I feel like this lineup has taken us further than any other lineup, you know, being a writing force with JT and, and he would be on this interview if he wasn't still in LA. Uh, I think they're catching a flight back now. Um, but it was just kind of all fell together and fell into place in that way. You know, we've, we've lost a lot of people along the way. Bill Chavis uh, and was the CEO of our label. Uh, he had passed away and his wife was the vice president. So the label was dissolved. Um, so it's like, there's a lot of, with the natives, the restless, there's, they're not, a, it's not out there anymore. We had to take it down. We're going to put it back up sometime in 2023. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of logistics stuff there. So we're going to put out Shadowhead and we're going to put out the next album. We're focused on that. And you kind of answered my question there was I was going to ask while it's mentioning the natives are restless. You know, when you met up with JT, you start off fresh. Is there anything left in your guys' set from those previous yeah. incarnations? Yeah, yeah. We 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 play uh, one of the songs that actually hit number one in Baltimore was called The Key. Uh, we play that every every show. Uh, you know, we we if we have Sometimes we play an hour and thirty minutes. We'll play the we'll play the whole first album and all the new songs. So it's you'll you'll always hear the natives are restless, and we're going to get that back up uh, on the Spotify's very soon. Yeah, I was looking for that too. I couldn't find it really streaming anywhere. Yeah, we had to take it down. Uh, just you know, the the publishing uh, the publishing house was dissolved as well. And so was the record label. So we have our own publishing house now. Uh, you know, we were 100 percent, you know, independent. Uh, we don't have a record label anymore. Are you guys doing everything yourselves as far as booking and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff? Yeah, we we have some friends that, are uh, you know, try to book us some shows, but mainly it's me, uh, you know, just going on, going and reaching out to my contacts, you know, reaching out to different people who, you know, I know, or I, I see a venue that some of my friends are playing and I'll just be like, you know, Hey, you want us to come to your town? And, and sometimes they're like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And we've had some pretty cool shows that way. Jason. So uh, talking about JT a little bit, you said you brought him on the band. You guys are writing a lot of the material together. What's, what's JT's background? Uh, JT, you know, he just, he's been here. He's a young cat. Uh, you know, he's been playing for about 10 years. Uh, he's done a lot of re recording stuff, uh, with another band called Killing Crown. Um, you know, he's, he did a lot of recording stuff with a band called Stolen Prayer. Um, but until Native Sons, I don't think he had much, uh, you know, show, you know, being out in front of the crowds, but, mm -hmm. you know, he's just taken to it so, so well. It's like, the crowds are loving him you know he's interactive he's he's green in a way but you know there's i've been on stage with some people who've been playing for 20 30 years and you know don't have the stage presence jt does interesting so he's the kentucky guy yeah yeah is the rest of the band also uh in kentucky or louisville area the bass player is the drummers from okay. nashville and victor adriel is from atlanta georgia and he's originally from Brazil. Right on, oh, right on. oh, got it. 
Well, at least like Nashville, you're a couple hours away. Atlanta's a little farther. How'd you guys get together to practice and, and record and do everything? Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we schedule out the day. Victor flies into Nashville or he flies into Louisville. We all get in a van and we go, you know, it's, that's how we do it. Um, you know, it, it can get expensive, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's all in the name of rock and roll, I guess. So I got a two part question here for you. I mean, like even going before you started the band, like what is your background in playing music? And then second of all, was there like a good scene as far as your genre of music in Louisville? Okay, I'll, I'll, uh, I guess I'll, I'll start with the uh, second part with uh, the good, a good scene in Louisville. There used to be a good scene here, I think in the 90s with, you know, Days of the New and, uh, you know, different people, experimental music. There's a lot of great artists here. I think there's not a lot of great businessmen here. Um, the venues are seem to be very much cover band, tribute band oriented. Uh, even though there are some bands that are, you know, creating music that is just as good as some of these, you know, tribute bands. It's just I don't feel like Louisville gives bands the time of day um, like they should. And that's kind of why I always, you know, moved away from home because Detroit always had a better music scene. Uh, you know, Florida even has a better music scene. Not that we don't have great musicians here because we do. We have many, many great musicians. Like you said, Mojo Thunder uh, was actually in a band with their guitar player previously, but it's just really hard for original bands to get good shows here. And if you do, you're usually playing to five, six people, uh, you know, starting out, you've really got to build your name and build it up. And I feel like Native Sons has done a good job, um, you know, building a scene around ourselves but you've really got to work hard here in, in Louisville probably harder than anywhere else um my musical background I was uh, when I was 19 I just I actually it was really really interesting uh you know I was like I want to be a rock star I want to I want to do this so I ended up hitting up somebody on Facebook being like hey come get me I'll be your singer you know let's do it so they ended up uh coming down and uh, some strangers I'd never met before in my life, uh, you know, they came down and, and took me to Michigan. Uh, you know, they ended up becoming some really good friends of mine. Mike Hatfield, who was in Modern Superstar for a while, um, he, uh, he came down and got me. And we were a house band for the original Planet Rock in Battle Creek, Michigan. I mm, uh, yeah. play there a lot, um, which is now the Music Factory. Yep. So yeah, legendary place. Were, yeah, man. It was there that Rich Green from the Bullet Boys had a band called Modern Superstar. He's seen me and he was like, man, if my singer ever quits or we need a new singer, I'm calling you. So he ended up calling me on a project and I, I did a lot of stuff with him from the time I was probably 21 to probably 27 years old. We were in and out of bands together uh you know just kind of spinning my wheels you know cutting my teeth i guess so to say on being a hired gun you know we wrote songs together i uh, wrote songs for those guys uh sometimes you know but it, it just seemed to never really take take a hold or bear any fruit so to say uh you know modern superstar already had one album out so i was kind of just you know re-singing what they what they had already done 
and we were trying to record some stuff together and eventually we got together on this you know new machine project uh you know we did 80s in the park back in 2018 or 2016 uh as well as some uh some other shows but yeah i think uh after that point i just decided to to do it all myself you know there's a there's a point in time where you've just got to you know go out on your own and try to do it and i feel like I've had a lot more success that way. Right on. Did you sing like a choir or anything growing up? Yeah, I mean, my choir teacher in uh, high school, I actually did a talent contest in, in, uh, at a fairground and she was one of the, uh, con or like the judges. And she came up to me after I had won. She said, I don't, I don't know if you're gonna stick with it, but I've signed you up for choir. And I ended up sticking <laughs> I ended up sticking with it uh, for about three years of my high school career. I always, I always like hearing that from the singers we have on the show. Like, hey, who's who's been trained or taught versus who's kind of naturally does it? And I'm always just, uh, just it's answers are always different. So that's that's always interesting to me. Yeah, I think um, choir hey, didn't really teach me much. I mean, we did a we did a lot of uh, you know hymnal type type stuff. I guess you know. Uh, I guess it, it helped me with breathing, breathing control, you know, breathing, tone, pitch, whatever you need. I mean, whatever. I, I can't sing worse shit. My wife will not, I play in a band. I am not allowed to do vocals. I just play guitar. So, cause my wife will kill me if I ever put my <laughs> mouth on stage <laughs> and I don't blame her. Uh, hey, going back to your band. So you got this new lineup. Is this really like the most cohesive, like gelled, out of everybody you've had out of a couple lineup changes i mean how's this compared to everybody else i would say that this is the most cohesive the most talented I, I feel like every time we had a lineup change it's never gotten worse it's always gotten better every time yeah. you know we had a lineup change like when i first started out uh doing it it was just to just to release the album so the the record label is like okay you got at least do the cd release parties you know you got to have shows or we can't release it. You know, there's gotta be some kind of promotion behind it so we can make some money, you can make some money. Uh, so that's, you know, so I, I threw a band together real quick on that point. Um, and then- And they weren't when, the guys that, that were the studio musicians then, right? Yeah, they, yeah, it's different from the guys that were studio musicians, um, okay. you know, so it's, and then I got these other guys from Louisville. Uh, they were talented, but they had a lot of personal um you know personal issues when it came to the band now they're on the other projects and those projects are doing real well for themselves i'm glad that you know you know i have no ill will towards those people on it we didn't it wasn't on bad terms it just wasn't the project for them so i ended up having uh jt fill in for guitar i had a drummer who was in the army we ended up having to replace him because he couldn't go on tour he's in the army <laughs> was he out of Fort Knox or where was he stationed? He was out of Fort, Fort Knox. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he was an army base, uh, but he could do some shows. He played Monsters on the Mountain with us, which was really cool. That was one of his last shows. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I feel like this is the most cohesive unit. We found Victor uh, Adriel, the Brazilian guitar player. He actually was like, he seen us in Nebraska and was like, man, if you ever need another guitar player, just just hit me up. 
and and I'd love to join the band. He was in a band called Asphalt Valentine at the time. Uh, that's a great so, name, Asphalt Valentine. I'll, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, they've got some songs out, man. I, I, I highly re- recommend it if you if you like, uh, you know, good rock and roll bands. But he's a Brazilian guitar player from Atlanta and saw you in Nebraska. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were on the same label. His, uh, okay. his, his band was on the same label as, as me, and we did a show together uh, called Here Grand Island. Um, so he was like, man, you ever need a guitar player? So it kind of all just like fell together. You know, the members kind of just gravitated towards the band, which is, what, which is the lineup we have now, you know, JT and, and Jim. Earlier you mentioned Detroit. I'm always interested to hear about scenes from different cities and stuff. So like, when were you there and what, what, what about it that you liked? I was there on and off from 19 years old to 20 years old and then 22 to probably 23 years old. So I spent about two years, uh, you know, first time I was in Michigan, I was more, you know, West Coast Michigan. So that was more country life. Detroit, I would say that when we, when I was growing up, there wasn't, I wasn't really interconnected into that scene. It seemed like there was, it seemed like it was a lot like Louisville where the bands didn't really get along. Nobody wanted to share shows. And if they got shows, you know, it it just seems like a very cutthroat uh, industry, but now going there and returning as, as a, uh, I guess a national touring band, I see these bands that are really banding together and, you know, sharing shows and sharing each other's music, like Forge the Sun, Wisher, uh, Stage Drive. Those are three bands. They all kind of just, you know, click together. Uh, Badland is another is another mm-hmm. Detroit band. You know, it seems like that there's more of a camaraderie uh, in Detroit, but it's kind of always been Music City, and I'm glad to see it kind of return back to Music City. There's a lot of great music happening up there. A lot of great venues as well. Cool, cool, very cool. And then uh, you also mentioned being in a uh, uh, band with one of the guitar players from Mojo Thunder. Was that Bryson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. What was that band? I was called Bad Magic, man. And we were we. I lived in Cynthiana, Kentucky, which is more eastern, eastern Kentucky. Um, so it, we did a lot of classic rock. We did a mixture of, of covers and originals. Uh, you know, it was blue. It was very blues rock. Right on. I was, it, was, it was like whipping post blues. Right on. We, we've had Bryson on quite a few times and Brian has adopted them as his official band. Nice. <laughs> if nice. only we, the next time we have Bryson on, we'll, we'll ask him about playing with Ashton. That should be interesting. <laughs> so, You've got a new, so not only did you do this Whiskey A Go-Go show, which is great, but you got a new single out right now as well. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, it's called Red Leather Woman. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the video is on Vivo as well as the last single. We are always Great video. Look. It's cool. Dig it. Thanks. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, Forsake Media, they, uh, you know, they, they did the video. I think for that song, I just wanted to write something that was kind of fun, uh, you know, something that people can relate to. You know, there's always that that person out there that's, uh, you know, that wants to be a tease or, you know, maybe maybe they find it fun. Um, so it was kind of just like putting yourself in that shoes of 
shoes of uh you know the party atmosphere i guess so it was just kind of a fun song where did you film the video uh, we filmed it at a place called Wicks Pizza here in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, right in the Highlands, uh, not far from where the the uh, first music video was shot. Well, is that drama or is that another one? That's drama. We didn't drama. start okay. music videos till till this lineup, which is kind of why I think that this is more of a cohesive lineup as well. Was it because the other dudes were ugly? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think they just... Um, you know, that, that's another thing is like, you get scared, you know, yeah, not sure. wanting to put your brand on things, not wanting to really dive into things. You know, I, I feel like the members now feel like this is much their band as it is my band. Cause I started it. The past members are kind of just, you know, had that hired gun mentality of, I'm just going to show up, going to set up my stuff. You're not going to see me. I'm not going to interact with the crowd, which I, I didn't really like that. I'm, we're very much about our fans. It's the only reason why we do what we do. It's the only reason why we can keep doing what we're doing. So it, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way that they didn't, you know, want to, you know, engage with anybody, I guess. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, speaking of that, you guys have a really good live show. I've seen some live video clips of you playing and there's great stage presence and energy. It starts with you, but your guitar players are into it. I mean, is that something you guys consciously do or is that kind of a natural uh, it's kind of a natural thing. We uh, we we ha don't have any stage rehearsals. Uh, you know, it's you know, much like many bands, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of time or money to uh, really put into rehearsals. Um, you know, I, I think we we rehearse right before the gig and then we go. You know, it's like, uh, but there's not much time to, you know, do like kiss antics. You know. So we kind of do it. Nope. Technics and high heels and makeup. Yeah. I don't know if that would go over great in Kentucky. I mean, Kiss does well in Kentucky, but I don't think homegrown Kentucky bands are going to do that. No. Uh, you're doing something that, you know, Brian and I talk to a lot of uh, up and coming new bands, kind of under, under the radar or independent bands. And you're doing something we see that's very much a trend. Hey, you release a single. And you release a video and then a month later, another single, another video, and then you build up to releasing an album. So it's really get the tracks out, get some videos out, and then we go to an album. Is that really the direction you're heading with this next record? Yeah, you know, it's I think a lot of the rock bands learned from the pop stars uh, like Lady Gaga. She didn't release albums. She released singles. And then her record label was like, all right, you've got 20 songs or you've got like, you know, 12 songs released so far let's throw 10 of them on this album. We're calling it this, you know, but, but for us, it's like, okay, consciously we're going to, you know, every other month do a single leading up to the album. I feel like it, it, the longevity of the music is greater. You know, if we released everything all at once, some of the songs will get, you know, faded away. You, you would never heard of red leather woman because you would have listened to shadow head and then the rest mm -hmm. of the album would be gone. I feel like that it introduces people slowly in into uh, you know what your music is, and they can grow to love the song by song, uh, by band. You know, so it's it's just kind of that it's it's kind of that industry standard now. You kind of have to do that that way. 
Yeah, I think too, when you have independent bands or self-funded bands, it also becomes financially a little bit more viable too. If you're going in the studio and recording tracks at different times, even I don't know if that's what you guys are doing, but we do have a lot of bands that go in, record, get something out, go and record another couple of songs, get something out. Yeah, when we recorded uh, at Barrett Studio, we spent one day and recorded three songs, uh, finished <laughs> three songs. Uh, it was really relatively easy for this band to do it, um, you know, because JT has a recording studio at his house. So we demo the songs there and everybody listens to it. They kind of write their own parts. And, you know, they're all seasoned musicians. Jim Quiggins mm -hmm. was with FA back in the day. So he knows what he's doing. You know, Victor Adriel was a guitar tech for uh, for Doug Aldridge. So he, he writes his own parts and he's an immaculate guitar player. Um, so it's like, you've got to utilize your money, you know, be very, very, uh, utilizing with your time as well. Yeah. So I've got a question about a Louisville bar. I want some background on, I'm a huge fan of the, the cold stairs or out of Indiana. I don't know if you know them. There are three piece piece, hard rock blues band. Check them out. Love them. The cold stairs. They're playing it up. They're playing in Louisville in August at a place called Zanzibar. And I looked it up. It looks like a small bar, but it's got like video games and stuff. Are you familiar with that place? You know, I've never been in Zanzibar. It's a different kind of scene, I think. Um, you know, it's there's a lot of I guess I've never really been one to hang out in the younger kind of crowd. Um, I've always kind of stuck to the older. Uh, most of my friends are in their 40s. So I don't know. I just never really I'm an old soul. So like you know younger younger crowds i don't know i just can't connect with so them. that's more of like a younger thing because it had like pinball machines and arcades and yeah, all this kind would, of stuff going on i would say it's um it's those it's a place that you'll have uh you're not going to be able to you know get like a, a natural light you know they're going to be draft beers <laughs> you know it's well, i'm in my 40s now i'm not getting natty lights anymore man i, would, I, I don't drink <laughs> come as on Natty Ice. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> the drummer in my band, who's approaching forty, it like like unironically likes natural light, and I'm like Brian, like I work with you, I know you can afford better beer than this. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. One thing that's really um, interesting that when uh, you know reading about your lineup, and you mentioned earlier Jim Quiggins that was in Sweet FA, like. I remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, and I was so much into, you know, I guess what we call hair metal now. I, I don't like that term anyway, but, you know, we, uh, a friend of mine and I, we'd like we'd look for bands that weren't as well known and they were one of them. So that's, that's interesting that, uh, you know, that you have him in the band. He's got to be a few years older than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. We actually had the, the drummer from Sweet FA play the whiskey show with us. Oh, okay. I've officially been in in a band with three of Sweet FA's members. <laughs> wow. And he does uh, some work with the, the guy from the Bullet Boys, you said, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was, uh, I think he was third generation drummer. Uh, so he was kind of a, he was there from 2014 uh, on to like 2017, I think. Um, I'm not really sure. Don't I wouldn't quote me on that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> The history of the of the the bullet boys 
Uh, I don't either. And those guys were popular when I was young too. And I right. couldn't tell you a whole lot other than Smooth Up In Ya and like maybe another song or two. So I see uh, this show that's coming up uh, at the Masquerade um, on the 30th amazing. in Philadelphia. Yeah. And we're seeing some 80s bands here too. But I mean, uh, we had, uh, we've had the guys from Babylon Shakes on to see Resistant Bite, which is Tommy Skeel, who used to be in Tesla. Um, yeah. So yeah, that Tora looks like Tora. a good show. We've had Tora Tora and some of the guys from Tora Tora and Roxy Blue on the podcast when we were in Nashville. So that looks like a cool show coming up. Yeah, yeah, Masquerade's going to be awesome, man. Uh, I'm actually going to be there on Friday, just kind of taking in the bands, uh, some friends of ours kicking Valentina. You know, I, I would say that that's not so much a hair metal festival as right. it is a rock. Oh, right, you right, know? right. Right. You, know, you guys are on the Saturday night lineup, it looks like, with so Autograph, Killer Dwarfs, Hurricane, Tora Tora, Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Resistant Bite, Native Sons, Babylon Shakes. Uh, Chris from Babylon Shakes designed our logo for our podcast, as a matter of fact. Good dude, cool band. Right. Yeah, I got to check those guys out. Also, uh, I had to ask, too, like when we, you know, mentioning Mojo Thunder earlier, have you guys ever played at the Burrow in Lexington? Uh, I, we haven't really done many Lexington shows. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I, I personally haven't done very many Lexington shows either. What's your home base? So like, if you said, Hey, this is our home base performance place. What do you have one? Uh, you know, I, I would say Louisville, Louisville is a, definitely a home base for us, but we draw just as, as well in Detroit. So I, I would say it's a, it's a tie between this, those two. Uh, you know, we could we could go and play Detroit and I think draw 100, 200 people and same with same with uh, Louisville. So it, it's it's between those two. But I, I've never really had a, a home base, I guess. I've always been a, a traveler. So it's like, I don't know. I never really uh, claimed one state or another, I guess. So no particular venue, like you go play in it, you're like, oh, we're home. This is it. This is where we feel the most comfortable. Um, you know, there, there's a few venues up and down uh, the East Coast that I would say, you know, these are this. It's where we feel most comfortable. Uh, Diamond Music Hall in, in St. Louis is a is a good one. Uh, Headliners Music Hall here in, in Louisville, Kentucky is a good mm -hmm. one. Um, of course, they're, you know, they. They're uh, not so much a venue as much as a rental hall. Um, so I would say, uh, you know, uh, one that I've recently uh, played in front of George Lynch is in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, the Vault was a great venue. Um, the Diesel Lounge is definitely one that I'm like, I want to return here every single year, you know, two or three times a year. Cause it's just, it's, it's a, it's an old theater, uh, an old movie theater. They converted into a, uh, a venue. They've got two stages and it's just nonstop bands. So it's, it's kind of my kind of place, you know. Right on, right on. You mentioned, you just mentioned George Lynch. You had played a show in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we played with him in Paralandria and uh, I think it was last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It okay. Was, it weekend right on a little pressure on the guitarist to do that i would be a little yeah a little yeah, nervous man he, he definitely uh did not disappoint 
So, uh, Ashton, who who's your your biggest influence as vocalist? Oh, vocalist, and that's that's hard. Um, because I guess I've never really, uh, you know, I I think I can sing. <laughs> I've never really, uh, you know, I would say uh, it's kind of it's kind of varied. Uh, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, the I Beatles. Know. For harmonies um you know i would say uh rolling stones was a really good one liked his good call presence his uh you know his mannerisms ozzy was definitely a uh influence on me uh as far as you know there's there's some songs that i get real deep on um i kind of pull from him dio was a uh, was definitely oh there we go yeah um I would say I don't listen to Lynch Mob a lot, but I would say that Oni is a is a good one. Um, you know, I, I respect his vocals, and and I feel like uh, I feel like uh, he's he's definitely a great vocalist. So there's a lot of different people. Tom Petty's a good one. I like his songwriting. You know, he had the you know don't bore us, get to the chorus kind mm -hmm. of thing. You know, it, he but he still told a story. Mm -hmm. So those are some some different people. Very cool, very cool. Uh, wide variety there. How it should be. So uh, all go, right, go ahead, Jason. <laughs> no, I was I was going to ask real fast. Is um, is there a certain record or album like you had as a kid that really just made you want to go into music? I know you said, hey, you're. You know, you listen to your, I think it was their stepfather's albums. Was there a really one record that really just kind of stuck with you? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, I, I guess, I guess there was, um, there was a few of them, but I, I could listen to Thin Lizzy's Jailbreak from beginning to end. I could probably listen. I have, I have listened to Thin Lizzy on repeat, just every song he has. And even the songs that are, that are okay are still amazing when compared to other people i think and personally that's music is all you know personal opinion yeah but uh, you know thin lizzie's jailbreak was probably beginning to end a great record that's a good call brian that's one we haven't heard yet i, mm -hmm. I dig that good answer although we did we've had damon johnson on of course wasn't an original member of thin lizzie but played with thin lizzie and then black star riders with some guys from Thin Lizzy as well, so that that's a good that's a good pick. Jason, is it that time of the show? Well, Ashton, usually when we get close to the end of an interview, we do some fun questions and lightning round. Are you game for that? That sounds fun. Do not overthink these, okay? These are fun questions. They're going to be kind of all over the place. All right. All right. What's the first gig you've ever played? Oh man. Uh, I guess professional gig would be Battle Creek. No, no, not professional. First gig. I don't care if it's a talent show, somebody's basement when you're in junior high. Hmm. Uh, well, we used to throw these shows in Taylorsville, Kentucky, uh, at the Chamber of Commerce. So I, I remember doing an acoustic gig in front of a lot of thrash metal and and uh, hardcore bands. I was a, a folk artist back then. <laughs> wow. How did that go over? Uh, you know, they oddly enough, I, I sang stories, and a lot of people, you know, it was some some of the stories were kind of funny. Uh, 
so I think that they really liked it. I mean, some, some people, I don't know if they were doing it ironically or, or what, but uh, it seemed to like it. What's the first concert you remember going to? Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Nice. Ooh, where did you see her? Uh, Cardinal Stadium is at the fair. It's a free concert. Right, right there in Louisville, there at the, the Cardinal Stadium. So, yeah. Oh. Which is like smack dab right off of 65. You like pretty much drive through it on the highway, Brian. On the way to Nashville. Every time I go to Nashville, I go right by it. What is the first album you remember owning? Oh, I'm sick. Lover Boy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, listen, Lover Boy had a bunch of hits. You can't, you can't, you know. Loving every minute of it. For the weekend. Working for the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I, I, oh man, my cousin's mom gave me that. They were having a yard sale and she's like, black like rock and roll, right? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right. Nice Canadian boys. You'll love it. It uh, skipped a little bit, but hey, everybody you got the job done. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep working for the weekend. You never get to the weekend because it keeps skipping in place. <laughs> um, what is one venue that you want to play at that you haven't had a chance to play? Oh, man. Uh, there's a couple, but there's one in, in Columbus called, uh, I think it's called King. King, uh, uh, King of Clubs. Clubs. It's new. Uh, yep. Fantastic venue. Oh, man. Like, um, Ingve Momsen has played there. Stripers come in. Um, uh, and ups and up. Dude, it's not, I'm about 20 something minutes from there. So you get a show there. I am absolutely going to show up. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, message them about 2023. 20, Yep, and if you want me to harass them, I don't know anybody, but give me a contact, I will. But it's a cool, it is a cool club that they just opened. It's like maybe a year and a half, two years old. It like I think it opened around pandemic times. Yeah. Would if Brian and I visit Louisville, recommend a restaurant for us to go to. Now, granted, we like any type of food, so carte blanche here. Hmm. I would say, I'd have to say 21st in Germantown. They have some great original music as well as great food. Okay. So anything 21st in Germantown on that street, we, we hit up? It's a, it's a venue called 21st. Oh, it's called 21st in Germantown. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they got the barrel room back there. Uh, they, I would say it's like five-star restaurant kind of style with, uh, you mm -hmm. know, with very low prices on food and great bands brian it sounds perfect for us doesn't it sounds great uh what's your favorite kentucky bourbon um kentucky bourbon you know i'm not i'm not much of a bourbon guy i'm i'm more of a captain morgan kind of guy i don't think i've had very many bourbons now they're gonna kick you out of the state you know this right if people hear this <laughs> they're gone you're out uh, i'll move to detroit and i'll be fine <laughs> I like Maker's Mark. That's my go-to. It's not expensive. It's good. So I'm a member of the, the, the you know, the Maker's uh, Club. I can't even remember what it's called now, but I've been there. I'm almost ready to go dip my bottle. It's almost ready. It's almost been seven years. All right, we'll move, we'll move on the, the bourbon thing. A multiple choice question. 
Beatles, Stones, or Zeppelin? Yeah, I've always I've always kind of uh, hated these questions because why would you want to get rid of one? <laughs> I'm not getting rid of any, but if you had you've got three choices in front of you, what are you choosing today? It it just depends on uh, if it's 1970s ish. Uh, Rolling Stones. Sorry, uh, you know it, I like Mick Jagger's uh, you know stage presence. I feel like Keith Richards back then was this gritty guitar player. Mm -hmm. A raw show, man. Favorite Stones album? Some Girls. Nice. Really? What's your favorite yeah. track off that one? Uh, I would have to say uh, for Some Girls, it has so many great songs, man. Uh, oh, man. I think the one... I think the one with... Because uh, that was Far Away Eyes would be, would be a good one. Yeah, I think so, you know Brian's a resident Rolling Stones expert. That's just like his favorite band ever. So Brian, what do we think of that choice? Oh, excellent choice, excellent choice, excellent country style Stones. I think they were probably kind of being maybe even a little bit sarcastic on the country thing there because the way Mick kind of over exaggerates the twangy country voice and the lyrics and everything. I think all the major rock bands in the seventies had to throw out some country stuff because you even got Zeppelin with like hot dog up in through the outdoors their attempt at, at country and I think they're also making fun of country a little bit too but that's like right. a serious like pick and pick a country song <laughs> I never quite understood that one all right moving along what Ashton what's the first song you ever wrote oh man first song I ever remember right um that was there was this, I used to be in a band called One Mile to Nowhere. We had this song called Blue Eyed Queen. Uh, it, was, it was like a, I would say it's like pop punk, you know, kind of stuff. Uh, very Tom Petty-ish, but very, uh, very more, more punk than that, you know. Okay. How old were you? I was 15, okay. 14, maybe. Good age to write a song. What is a song that you hear that you say, "Man, I wish I would have wrote that song." Uh, I'd have to say "Cowboy Song" by Jim Lizzy. That'd be a great song. Of course, there's a lot of Bob Seger stuff too. That, that would be. there you go. Your Detroit connection, Bob Seger. Okay. If you could play on stage, not open for, actually be on stage with any band throughout history for one night, who you choose them? Oh, man. Aerosmith. Really? Even Tyler would pull this thing with, man. Like, he's got a different voice. It'd be hard to out-sing Steven. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun, though. Yeah, it would. Is there a specific song you like? Hey, I'm on stage with Aerosmith. We absolutely have to play this one. Ragdoll. Did you say Ragdoll? Rag Ragdoll. Yeah, that from uh, from Permanent Vacation. Oh yeah, I remember that one. That you know what? That's a very underrated album. Um, I know that kind of got them back on the train with everything, but I think from start to finish that album, I don't think there's a bad track on. I I like the title track a lot. Like I think it's mm -hmm. I just, it's a that's a solid album. And Ashton now has a visitor. 
hang, uh, you know, a surprise guest. <laughs> we are a very dog friendly podcast. Brian has a dog. I have a, two dogs. She's sleeping right there. <laughs> and they often bark during interviews, which is nice. <laughs> With her face on it, like she's a, a big, uh, a big you know, to do with our fans, and she's our road dog. Got something. Oh, what's her name? Oops. It's my nice girlfriend. looking dog. All right, last serious, seriousest question before we get into a couple goofy ones in this one out. But if you could tour in support of any band right now that's out right now, who would you like to go out and, and support? Man. You know, there's most people are probably. Uh, you know, wanting to probably pick a big band, but I, I would say it, it's I like uh, I like uh, Jerry and you know they they it together. I think it'd be a really cool ass show with seven year witch and twist and bite and native son all the You said seven year witch and twist and, and resist and bite. Yeah, those those are some friends of mine. I think it'd be really awesome to do a show. Or just a whole like, you know, stadium tour kind of thing with those guys. I think it'd be really cool. But with Resist Invite, did you do you uh, meet those guys down in Florida? Uh, we met those guys. Uh, it was really it was really interesting how we met those guys. Uh, they had a show on at Center Stage in Atlanta, Georgia, and a band had actually fallen off. Uh, I can't remember. I think their drummer got sick. So the promoter, um, I think was like, you know, he, he called us up and was like, man, will you do this show? And we were actually in the studio. So I was like, you know, I, I, uh, I was like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll go and do the show. And, and I'm so glad we did. We took the time off, uh, at the studio to go meet those guys and go play with them. You know, Seven Year Witch was on that show. Uh, Resistant Bite was the headliner. It was just really cool to be a part of that. Because that was the first time we met them back in January. Which kind of, we've done, we're doing three shows with them this year. Is Seven Year Witch more like a, almost like a hard progressive rock band? Because they sound familiar to me. Yeah, I would say that they're, they're more of a, they would be more of a progressive. Uh, they're kind of more bluesy than us, really. I'm, I'm kind of surprised you haven't heard of them uh you know they're you know they uh they've they've been doing some really good stuff they just went on tour with uh shine down i think or no they went on tour with buck cherry that's right i get i get a lot of the, the okay. early bands mixed up because like i was never a big fan of their early <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well just so you know Here's my autographed three-song resistant bite EP that I got in Nashville at Rock and Pod. So Brian and I obviously are big Tesla fans. He's even wearing the Tesla shirt. Tommy Skiok and, and uh, Frank Hannon did so many great riffs together uh, with Tesla. Love those guys. You guys could probably get the King of Clubs actually on that on that bill. Maybe something a little bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be an all awesome right. Let's do a couple. It would be awesome for sure. So let's do a couple goofy questions real fast. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? I'd say, uh, yes, sherbet. Yep, sherbet works. I mean, that counts. That's 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 in the frozen dessert category. Um, what are the last three 
bands or songs you've streamed or, or listened to? Um, well, the last three that I just uh, listened to today was uh, Garls Barkley, Crazy, um, Feel Good, Inc. <laughs> by Gorillas. Oh, yeah, the Gorillas. And I think I just listened to a Guns N' Roses song. My, my musical in, interests jump from like Lady Gaga. I see. To, <laughs> so, like, but, it's all but that's good too. And you know, Lady Gaga is great. She's got certainly a rock and a punk thing to her. And I've heard her sing acapella like Zeppelin stuff. Uh, she's legitimately talented and loves rock music. Yes. So interesting question. This comes from our friend Leilani Kilgore, who's a great Nashville artist, singer, guitar player. But <laughs> when making a bowl of cereal, do you pour the cereal in first or do you pour the milk in first? I pour the cereal in first, man. <laughs> well, we've all come to the agreement that if you pour the milk in first and then the cereal, you're probably a psychopath. <laughs> I mean, would you not agree, right? Yeah, there, there was. I remember seeing this TikTok and this. Uh, these people were getting divorced because one of them uh, poured the milk in first. Really. So, you know, yeah. where you go? <laughs> that is all that is it good grounds for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> all right. When putting your shoes on, do you put your socks on each foot and then the shoes on first, or do you put an individual sock and then the shoe on first? <laughs> it's socks and then shoes. <laughs> all right. Ashton's passed the test, Brian. He is <laughs> certainly not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> And those are our Leilani Kilgore questions. All right, give us a guilty pleasure song or artist. Oh, you know, I, I like I like songs more than I like artists. I would say, okay. you know, people dive into genres. It's for me. It's you know, I'm not really ashamed of you know the people I listen to. I guess um, mm -hmm. Eminem is a is probably. Uh, a guilty pleasure, I guess. I mean, I've I've listened to Justin Timberlake. Detroit, like though, him. man, that's another Detroit artist. Yeah, it's. Not, I guess I'm I'm just I just love Detroit artists. Uh, there, you know, the thing I loved about Eminem was he just had this he had this realism. You know, he wasn't talking about mm -hmm. killing people and you know booties and money and drugs. He was talking about his fucked up life and the shit he had to go through and his mom doing drugs and his dad wasn't there. You know, so there was a lot. There's a lot that I could relate to with as far as the dad not being there. My mom was never, never a drug addict. She, she took care of us very well. Um, but there was a lot of stuff I could relate to, uh, you know. <clears throat> um, so I guess Eminem would be my guilty pleasure. Yep. And, and so that's, that's a good one. And actually your reasoning mm -hmm. behind that is, is I completely get that for sure. Like, you know, amongst the rap artists, he certainly was talking about, things the three of us on this podcast could probably relate to more so than our East Coast, West Coast battles that were going on. Um, White Stripes fan, Nugent fan. What, I mean, some of the other Detroit guys. Um, was it, I'm, I'm, like, I'm a fan of Jack White. I'm not a fan of the mm -hmm. White Stripes. I used to listen yeah. to one song by them and it wasn't Seven Nation Army. It was, uh, I fell in love with a girl. Uh, that was okay. a good one. Um, I went through a, a phase, I guess, of uh, my, my stepdad is a, is an also a, a national touring musician. Uh, he was friends with the guys from Queens of the Stone Age. Uh, huh. So like, you know, 
with him. I, I listened to a lot of, I guess, what you would call desert rock or, uh, you know, uh, stoner rock, I guess, you know, Eagles of Death Metal. We went and seen them once. They're fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, that was uh, Josh Holm from, from uh, um... yeah, he was in it for a while, but I uh, just started the band uh, as far okay. as Eagles of Death Metal. Okay. Righteous, man. I, I like it. So the Jack White stuff, were you like racking tours, solo stuff, or just anything not White Stripes? I, I would say uh, I just kind of think he's a cool person. You know, he, he's mm -hmm. got, I, I think uh, what most impressed me is uh, when they did that, uh, when they did that video of U2's guitar player, uh, Led Zeppelin's uh, guitar player, Page. Mike It and, Loud. Yeah. And, and it started out with him making this guitar and that's when he kind of gained a lot of respect and really dived deeper into who he was and, and what he was about. So it's like, he's going to make music, whether he has, you know, a, a metal string and a nail and a board, you know, he's, yeah. He's going to wrap his own magnet wire for a pickup and everything. Yeah. yeah. He likes to take shitty guitars and try to make sounds out of them too. Like he likes yeah. to buy those like crap, cheap shit and just like, what, what can we make? What can, what can we make this sound like? Most definitely. All right. Yeah. Last question for you. It's more of an essay, I guess, but give us a good story from the road. So if I say, tell us an entertaining story from the road, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Oh, entertaining story from the road. You know, there's a lot of the entertaining stories from the road. You're probably too drunk to remember, but uh, <laughs> uh, I will I will say it was actually the, the most entertaining and it was the first time I was around anyone kind of sort of like really famous. Uh, and I, I'm kind of telling on myself here. Um, and it's, it was told to me through the eyes of my guitar player. Cause I was drunk in this, in this uh, scenario, but, uh, Oh, I was hanging out with, uh, it was, it was here on the waterfront in Louisville. Uh, we were doing a small run and I was hanging out with, uh, Oh, it, his name is escaping me. He used to sing for Motley Crue. John uh, Karabi? Yeah, John Karabi. I don't know why. Oh, okay. The second singer, yeah. But I was I was hanging out with him and the Flush girls, and, you know, Flush had left, and he was like, you want to drink some Jameson? And I already drank a little bit, and I, I was just looked over my guitar player and was like, I shouldn't get drunk. He's like, man, do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So uh, we ended up uh, get, doing some shots, and then, you know, come to the end of the bottle you know he, he's like all right i'm gonna pour everybody one shot you tell me when i'm just gonna throw this thing out the fucking window if if it doesn't uh if it's not empty so he ends up i have this solo cup and he's like tell me when and, and i'm too drunk to tell him when i guess because he fills it all the way up oh god like, he looks over at my guitar player victor is like is he gonna be okay <laughs> and uh he said he just he said, Ashton, you just turned the whole thing up and drank it all, all his Jameson. So <laughs> I was, I was trash and, and <laughs> it, it was great. It was fun. A lot of people uh, messaged me the next day and was like, man, you need to get drunk more. You're fucking fun. Um, but I remember kind of bits and pieces of that day. And, and I'm just a happy drunk, man. Like yeah, I remember getting on a golf cart, you know, fucking, I don't know, like, I was with this radio host and and uh we end up just screaming at people like rock and roll you know shit like that but uh so it doesn't happen very often but when it does it's it's a, it's iconic moments <laughs> like that but 
uh, I remember, I don't know if he, if uh, John Karabi's mad at me for drinking all his Jameson that night <laughs> or what, because uh, I seen him at Monsters on the Mountain. He gave me a little smile and he flipped me off. And I was like, well, I guess that's a way of, uh, you know, knowing. I think you're good. Yeah, he, he, was, he was fun. So that was uh, my one John Karabi story. Nice. I heard he's he's just a sweetheart of a dude, like a real oh, good yeah. dude. Yeah, he's he's real down to earth, man. You he's know, super I, talented. A guy that can sing and play guitar, you know. I mean, he is a real talented guy. You know, I I think what's what's most impresses me about him is like I used to be an acoustic artist, and to get the crowd to really stay focused on you, even if you are a famous person, you know, like John Karabi is. He's just so down to earth and so personable he tells stories he's funny you know so it's like and his songs are great so it's like i always like watching john karabi you know do his stuff on stage he was you know we did uh we did three shows with john last year um i think he was on rock the block and he was on uh no he was just on uh the one here in louisville and monsters on the mountain uh but it was really cool seeing him both times yeah, like, you know, he had an impossible task and like following Vince Neil with Motley Crue. I mean, that's a cool album they did together. I dig it. But I'm going to repeat what many people have said. I think if they called that something other than a Motley Crue record, it would have done a lot better and been, been really taken by the general public much better. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Brian, are you a fan? Do you like that 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 Crue album? I've listened to some of it. I don't mind it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's it's a different album than Motley Crue, but like Vince Neil, right? Larger than, like, it's just, it's so hard to replace somebody like that that's so iconic in a, in a band. I feel like they would have went a little further if they would have just did a whole new band, like you said. You know, it would have mm -hmm. been a, people would have perceived it differently. Yeah, it could be like a super group of some time, and they would have taken that little harder, like, it. you know, it's a good hard rock album, but it is definitely, a, you know, in 180 away from the crew. All right, Ashton, thanks for being a good sport about the questions and talking with us today. Where do we go to find out more about Native Sons? You can go on to our Facebook page, our Instagram, or nativesonsrocks.com, find out our merchandise, all of our uh, upcoming shows, and uh, our new single Red Leather Woman is also there. Yep, it is a good website. It has some background about you guys at the same time and all those facts. So Facebook, um, Instagram, do you, are you doing the TikTok thing? Uh, we do do TikTok, but we aren't on it very much. I, I need to be more proactive about that. We're, we're more about the Instagram and the Facebooks, I think. Okay. Yeah, no, we do a lot. We do real well with our Instagram following a lot, I think, in the Facebook pages as well, Brian. It seems to be more of a home run with mm -hmm. rock music. Brian, over to you. Well, thank you so much to Ashton Blake from Native Sons out of Louisville. That's Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, new sing the new single is Red Letter Woman. The one before that is Drama. And thank you so much for being on. We're going to be following you, supporting you. And uh, we're just thrilled to uh, talk to another great Kentucky artist. So thanks for being on. Well, thank you guys for having me again. It was, it's been an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for uh, to Ashton Blake uh, um, from Native Sons out of Louisville for joining us. You know, he, he has an extremely wide range of musical taste and influence. 
A absolutely. And to our opinions, really good musical taste too. All the, all the, you know, the Thin Lizzy's and the Beatles and the Stones and the Tom Petty's really stuff that was hitting us in our sweet spot, including some of the more modern or classic rock stuff that we liked. And, you know, talking to him about the band, like, where do you, what kind of band do you see yourself in? Like, it, they can fit into so many different styles, Brian. Like, you know, you put them on a Southern rock bill. Great. You put them on a hard rock bill. Great. And like, I, I kind of like that. I really dig that. And it's cool because, you know, this is somewhat of a outside the ballpark episode, just because they're like the really like the heavier, heavier side of mm -hmm. Southern and blues based, but he's has so many of those influences and a fan of that music that, that, you know, it's got to be in his head and his heart, you know, when they're making their music. Well, I dug too, like, you know, going through lightning round and some of his answers, the Thin Lizzy question yeah. and the answer to Thin Lizzy. Right. And then even going back and like talking on, um, you know, the petty stuff or anything, you know, these, the some girls on the Rolling Stone record, like, you don't, you know, you don't hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I like it. Like, yep. Yeah, man, like all really cool stuff. And, you know, things that influences him as an artist and the shape. And, you know, you and I are metalheads or whatever from way back. And I, I do, you know, this is, you call it outside the ballpark, but I, I still dig the hard stuff. And I'm really like what I've heard so far uh, from the band. And I'm, I'm interested to see what this new record's going to be like. And he's got a little back history with, with Bryson from Mojo Thunder. That's pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We've touched almost every band in Kentucky at this point, and at some point, you know, we we're bound to have guys who have played with each other. And I'm tasking you with letting Le Leilani know that that the uh, milk and the cereal before the cereal has actually caused a divorce. So she's <laughs> right on the money, right? I'll, I'll I'll send her a note later on and let her know. Maybe she can find that TikTok because she does a lot of the TikTok for her stuff. <laughs> All right. On that note, always remember Southern Rock is reverent, blues is blood. We will see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 